0: we mm-hmm. Everybody, this is Chris, welcome to episode 263 of X-Labs Where, uh, gotta get our scrolling fingers worked out here Because we got some scrolling to do We're going back to the internet to take a look at, uh, the Marvel Unlimited stuff here The Infinity Comics We've got, uh, X-Men Unlimited and of course we have It's Jeff Last time out, um, we didn't fare so well Really on, on either, on either strip It was, a uh, Kind of a, a famine week You know, maybe this one will be a little bit more feasty Then again, it's still X-Men Green So maybe not yeah, let's, let's just get into it Now today we've got X-Men Unlimited Volume 3, number 6 We're going to say it had a cover date of October 2021 The story is untitled But I suppose we should call it X-Men Green Part 2 um, We could probably put a... Uh, Creative subtitle like Nature Girl Sucks or Nature Girl's the Worst after that? I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll see as we get there. Uh, written by Jerry Duggan with art by Emilio Lazo, Colors, Rachel Rosenberg, edits Amaro, Be So White, Cebulski, appeared on the app on October the 3rd of 2021. Now we open with a short scroll down a purple sky where we join Wolverine and his motorcycle. Now Logan is either sniffing or eating a clump of dirt in order to try to get a bead on his antlered prey. He mentions that uh, Nature Girl is a former student of his, which is true. She did first pop up during Wolverine and the X-Men. Anyway, he seems to have gotten the scent, and so he rides. We next shift over to Nature Girl, who is sleeping in a cave using Freedom the Dog as a pillow. She dreams about her time as a wide-eyed ingenue back in the long ago. Back then she didn't talk much, and everyone thought she was weird. And I mean, the examples we see here are I, Boy and Rockslide So, uh, yeah, if they're calling you weird, you probably have problems Then Krokoa spoke to her Not sure if this is the current Krokoa Or if this is Krakoa Jr. or Krokoa III from the old Jean Grey school In any event, Krakoa sprouts a flower for her And, uh, well, that's her entire dream At this point, Wolverine's arrived And Freedom the Dog senses him and wakes Nature Girl up She comes walking out of the cave to tell Wolverine that she ain't looking for a fight, and, well, he agrees, because that's the last thing he wants, too. Then she goes full, uh, who's that girl who got popular for a minute, like a year or two back, ranting about environmentalism? Whoever that is, she goes full her, whatever her name was. Now, the whole thing is, humans are bad, the planet's crying, you know the deal. And uh, Wolverine sympathizes with her, claiming that the humans will never change, which... I suppose is to say that a mutant has never ever littered or driven an SUV Or neglected to recycle a glass bottle I mean, isn't the point of the X-Books that there really are no differences between humans and mutants? I mean, that's a a big theme, right? Oh, well, we're awful Uh, (laughs) Now, if only we would be as respectful of our planet as the mutants Half of whom have spent plenty of time actively attempting to literally destroy it Anyway Anyway, Wolverine invites her onto the back of his bike, citing that uh, he'll do whatever he can to keep her out of the hole, which I suppose is to say that the poor manager at the grocer's did die after being stabbed through the throat with a pair of scissors. Nature Girl refuses, citing that Gaia needs her. And Wolverine's kind of at a loss as to what he's supposed to do here. He warns that, you know, he's not really in the mood to beat the hell out of Freedom the Dog. But here's the thing, he won't be fighting Freedom the Dog. He's actually going to be fighting the Bear Mama, who lives in the cave that Nature Girl was holed up in. Maybe her name is Liberty. I don't know. Hell, maybe it's Yogi or Smokey. It really doesn't matter. So Wolverine proceeds to fight the Bear Mama, while Nature Girl and Freedom the dog hightail it over to the evil, emission-spewing human machine that Wolverine rode in on, so that she might make her getaway. And as she rides off, killing the planet more and more with every inch as she rides She releases the bear mama from her control, or suggestion, or whatever And so, its fight with Wolverine comes to an abrupt end Wolverine figures that, uh, well, without his bike, he's gonna actually have to walk back to Vegas But first he'll take a brief rest Cause you see, his guts are currently hanging outside of his belly So, yes, Wolverine, who's gone toe-to-toe with every manner of baddie, monster, alien, mutant Was just nearly killed by a friggin' bear Cool Back to Nature Girl She rides all the way back to Vegas So she can step through to Krakoa to collect some of her things And Freedom the Dog decides to come along And so, as they step through Sage is immediately alerted that the wanted mutant and a dog just stepped through the gateway Nature Girl is surrounded by the Quiet Council And taken into custody awaiting trial And Freedom the Dog gets booted back through the gate to Las Vegas Well, no, no, actually none of that happens. Nature Girl ain't met by nobody. And instead, she's able to freely return to her house, wherever that is, probably somewhere at the Academus Habitat. She's met there by a young mutant boy named Curse, who wants to join her on her quest. I think we've seen Curse a time or two in New Mutants. Anyway, she warns Curse that if he were to come, he's risking being tossed in the hole. To which, Curse thinks that might be awesome. (laughs) What? Okay, Uh, and that's basically where we leave it here Um, Looks like whether we like it or not This one will be continued So let's talk about this a little bit Um, Really not a whole lot to say about the story itself But, uh, you know, it's almost become a trope here on the show Where we go through these spurts of, like, really, really good comics And then we go into spurts of some not-so-good comics And uh, I'm sure... As a listener, it's probably really annoying to have me, like, on the same path constantly It must get very, very tiresome I know it's tiresome for me to deliver these kind of shows here Where I feel like half the time I'm, like, almost, like, sycophantically promoting these books Like, oh, I love this book, love this book, love this book And then we flip the script and it's like, we get, like, five or six episodes in a row Where it's just like, this is not very good So if at this point it's getting a little bit samey and a little bit redundant, I I definitely apologize. I uh, hope it's not uh, too unbearable to listen to me say the same thing about these books day after day after day. But, um, I mean, with this X-Men green, it's uh, just not very good. You know, I kind of understand what they're getting at. I mean, there's certainly an earnestness to this story. It's a... I don't want to say it's a cautionary tale, it, it is a very, um, it's a very precious story uh, I think I said this last time, it felt like, you know, a 7th grader who just found out what Earth Day is You know, or, or someone, or a school-age student who just, like, read about the Exxon Valdez oil spill For the first time ever, or so, like, uh, one of those commercials where they're cleaning a duck with, uh, whatever dish soap that is It's very immature, it's very petulant and if I thought for a minute that uh, Nature Girl was going to get any cup up, comeuppance and maybe, I don't know, have one of those moments of profundity that lead to her maturing, then I'd be all for it. Because this character reads as though she's someone who has a lot of growing up to do, a lot of, uh, of real-world understanding to gain. Unfortunately, the way most Marvel comics are written these days and the audience that they think they're reaching, that's not what they want to see. They want to see that uh, nature girl by stabbing someone in the throat who uh, dared work at a store that used plastic bags is a uh, righteous move. Now I could be wrong. I hope I am, because otherwise this is just a really bad and misguided story that only exists to uh, you know signal that virtue. It is uh, very much a you know after-school special sort of very special episode uh, story here where. It's like we're supposed to forget about the context of everything else and only focus on the one, you know, big problem of the week here, which is environmentalism, which of course is a huge deal and it's very important. But, I mean, the fact that they're drawing this really firm line between mutants and humans in as far as who cares more about the planet, I mean, hasn't Magneto tried to tear the planet apart? I mean, wasn't the Magneto war the whole point of that? The fact that he wanted to, like, flip the poles, you know? I think that might be a little bit more heinous than a turtle choking on a plastic bag. But that's just me. That's just me. Of course, like I said, this is a very special episode. We don't worry about that other stuff. We don't bring any of that other stuff into the context because that ruins the story that they're trying to tell here. So for better or worse, we just take it as it comes. I I don't care for it. I see myself as a fairly responsible global citizen, as I'm sure many of you do as well, so for us to be yelled at and lectured by some know-nothing with antlers is, uh, well, it just doesn't make for a pleasant read, does it? Anyway, I don't think I have a whole lot more to say about this story. Uh, This will continue, of course. Uh, The next installment has already been released on Marvel Unlimited, so we will be covering that next time out, or next next X-Men Unlimited episode anyway, so look forward to that. Hopefully it's part three of three and it ends with Nature Girl getting tossed in the hole But, uh, I'm not exactly holding my breath for either of those to come true But, uh, yeah, that'll do it for the, uh, unlimited portion of the program Let's hop into our backup feature here We're gonna take a look at It's Jeff, number six Now this had a September 2020 date Um, the story's called Scourge of the Seven Seas Written by Kelly Thompson with art by Gurahiru Edits Pile Go Wacker Cebulski This one appeared on the app on September the 30th of 2021 And it's another quickie Not quite as quick as last time But it's still pretty quick Now we open with Jeff swimming And he's swimming with some yellow wall-eyed ducks He decides to dip underwater Where he passes by schools of fish A squid, an octopus, and a big daddy from Bioshock Then it goes deeper A sunken ship, mermaids, Namor the Submariner Then he heads to an underwater trench where he's met by Modoc. He bites the baddie on the nose and they proceed to spin around in circles until we get the actual, like the first actual word balloon in the entire It's Jeff series, I think. It's when someone yells, Jeffrey. You see, Jeff's not actually in the ocean. He's not actually in a trench. He's actually in a bathtub. And all the spinning around he did with his M.O.D.O.K. bath toy got bubbles all over the bathroom, which that other Hawkeye is now going to have to clean up. In fact, all the stuff he saw in the deep blue sea were his bath toys. To which I gotta ask, does it make any sense for anyone in the Marvel Universe to own, much less produce and sell, a M.O.D.O.K. doll? Oh well, that's where we leave it. And boy, I really feel like I'm phoning this episode in, because, uh, I mean, what can we say? (laughs) What can we say that we haven't already said about Jeff? It's cute, it's quick, it's Jeff That's uh, basically it, I I enjoyed it I thought it was a lot of fun, I thought it was adorable as always But um, it really doesn't lend itself to analysis Even even my half-assed analysis But yeah, it was fun If you like fun comics, you'll like this If you like fun comics, you'll just love Jeff And uh, I think more people should, uh, you know, read Jeff Let's uh, let's promote Jeff. Let's get him some uh, physical comics, and you know, selfishly, let's let's get some uh, some swag. Let's get some toys, some dolls of Jeff here, because uh, I got some empty shelves, right? We all have some empty shelves, or at least there's always room to squeeze in a tiny adorable baby shark with legs. But yeah, that'll do it for our analytical portion of the program. Um, next time out, we're going to be taking a look at uh, X Men Volume Six Number Three. But before we wrap up, let's hop into the mailbag here. You know, the other the other day we had the return of Damien Now we got the return of Meal. I love it. This is great stuff here. Uh, Meal's writing in about Trial of Magneto number one. Now Meal says, "Hi, I'm sorry it's been so long. School started up again, and right now I have a nasty sickness. So yeah, I'm sorry to hear that uh, you're under the weather. But I'm just so happy to see you're uh, you're back here." Uh, Meal continues. Now maybe it's because I'm biased Because I love the Maximoffs But I loved this issue Now about the Polaris rant The thing that it brought to my mind Is that with Magneto Two of his wives Magda and Suzanne Suzanne's Lorna's mom So technically not his wife But similar They've died And also one bio child Anya And also Wanda If we want to consider her Then if you wanted You could add the original Miss America And her baby twins And Maria Maximoff's original twins I think If you so please So that's fun well, that certainly puts a little bit more oomph behind uh, Lorna's rant there, for sure. Uh, Meal continues. The scene where they're all celebrating Wanda's death is really creepy and kind of tasteless, as they should all know that one of their heroes has a very close relationship with her. I loved it. And yeah, that was a really good scene. I think it went a little too quickly. You know, I, I thought that it could have had more of an impact. I don't know, it felt very, um, superficial, You know, we just had them celebrating without any real uh, understanding as to why they were celebrating Which I guess could have been the point, right? They've kind of been indoctrinated that Wanda is uh, the pretender And I think we can probably assume that the younger uh, among the Krokoans Probably don't know a whole heck of a lot as to why they consider her so Or they might know it, but not understand it, right? Uh, I mean, it is a strange situation that someone could pass themselves off as a mutant, uh, whether or not that was conscious or uh, an unconscious decision, or even their decision at all. So, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know where I fall on that. I I know I liked the scene, but I still feel like it could have been it could have been more. Meal continues. I really hope it's not Mystique. I think that would be boring and predictable and just too obvious. Seeing as though she's playing such a prominent role in Inferno, I just find it so repetitive if she's also the one who's doing the masterminding in Trial of Magneto. Once again, I find Emma's reaction to anything involving Wanda kind of creepy, but that's just me feeling uncomfortable at the woman who said that they should put the mentally ill person down like a dog because of mutant PR. Jean being almost subservient to Emma is also kind of weird. And finally, why is Storm still on the Quiet Council? It's true. The, uh, the Quiet Council scene here, and we'll, we'll talk about Mystique in a minute, but um, Emma is, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a very strange situation we're in with Emma because I feel like we're supposed to be getting the feeling that she's biding her time because I think she's going to be even more prominent, if that's possible, after Inferno. So I think this is like low-key Emma Which doesn't doesn't really work Because she's just all over the place uh, As for like her stance on mutant PR Now while that's kind of uncomfortable Maybe a little problematic It is in line with Emma's entire persona Post-Hox Pox, right? They are at least keeping her consistent here We did see during the gala Where she found out about the Terra Verde thing here And she wasn't upset that they were you know, Zombifying an entire nation She was more upset that What happens when this gets out Or if this gets out So her mind being instinctively Drawn to PR As weird and as uncomfortable as that is It works, you know, it's kind of just Been her role at this point uh, Jean kind of Kowtowing to Emma is strange and, and again, I don't know why Storm is there I think I mentioned that during the episode It feels like she should be at her, you know, the the Great Ring. You know, she shouldn't be here. But uh, that, that also reminds me that they haven't really uh, been in much of a rush to replace the three missing Quiet Council members, right? Apocalypse's chair is still empty, Jean's seat is still vacant, and Storm kind of comes and goes. It's... I don't know. I don't know. Maybe this is one of those things that kind of fell through when... Um, the creative department kind of split, you know, or went, decided to go one way instead of another. Maybe there were bigger plans for the Quiet Council. I know when, when we wrapped up Exit 10s, uh, we saw that this was the reign of X, and a lot of us thought that this might be the reign of 10, which would have been the 10 remaining Quiet Council members. I think, uh, I think a lot of us kind of put stock in that, like this was going to be what they were going to do, and. Really hasn't turned out that way That could be something at editorial That could be something uh, Hickman related Him leaving or stepping down Or minimizing his role a little bit I don't know um, Now as for Mystique I'm fairly confident she's not the one behind this uh, We did see her hiding out in the bushes In Trial Magneto Number 2 Wherein I, uh, I posited that perhaps She is learning something from uh the happenings in this mini series here where the quiet council isn't the uh end all be all of governance and sh- there are ways around what they uh what they proclaim right they said do not bring wanda back they voted on it and yet well they figured out a way to get around that and the five did their thing anyway so Mystique has been stomping to get Destiny brought back Is constantly told no Or constantly having it a, a kind of as a, dang, a dangling carrot on a stick You know, like, well, if you do this, maybe we'll do it And then, ah, oh, you came up just short So now, she knows that maybe she doesn't need to rely on the Quiet Council Maybe she can take another avenue and get what she wants That's how I took it Not sure where they're going with it I know I'm looking forward to seeing where they go with it, but, uh I'm fairly confident this isn't going to just be a mystique-did-it sort of a situation. I, I, hope, I hope we're right on that. Uh, Meal continues. On the other hand, Tommy has an emotional moment that isn't tied to his brother. It kind of sucks because all of Tommy's emotional beats and growth and everything always seems to be tied back to Billy. While to me, at least, Billy never has to go through the same ordeal with Tommy and barely ever treats him like a brother the way Tommy does. So Tommy getting the spotlight instead of Billy is great. And that's a really good point as well. I'm not by any means a uh, a Speed or Wiccan historian. Uh, they kind of popped up during my lull as a Marvel fan here. Uh, that was, when was that? Uh, Young Avengers came out not too long after Civil War, if I'm not mistaken. I could be mistaken, but I don't think I am. Um, and I had stopped my Marvel zombiehood with uh, Civil War. Civil War was what... Uh, was the straw that broke uh, this camel's back in as far as collecting every single thing. So, Young Avengers, I think I picked up the first handful of issues. And I know I picked up the Children's Crusade, which I thought was a lot of fun. But when I think about uh, Speed and Wiccan, my first thought goes to Wiccan. You know, Speed is kind of treated as an afterthought. So, yeah, I totally agree. And it is nice to see him get a... uh, Get a, a more focused character beat Here without uh, Being in the shadow of, uh, of Billy I feel like Billy has gotten a lot more Of the PR uh, Like real world PR than speed Here with his relationship with Hulkling And uh, their recent marriage I feel like a lot of the focus has always been On Billy Where Tommy, like I said I, you know, He was a character who at times I would actually have to stop and think To remember his name You know, I, I, I uh you know, speed i'm talking about his actual code name i was like which what is it here? i know like, it's kind of like quicksilver but uh, not really and forget about it with tommy i would have never been able to guess his name until not too long ago uh meal continues overall i really like this issue and i can't wait to read the rest and i agree i you know i don't know where i fell on the issue because uh, there is a lot in the air right now well maybe that's not fair to say maybe i don't know how i feel about the series or the event I know I enjoyed the issue, and, and the second issue as well, but uh, I just don't know where they're headed with it. I have some ideas. Hopefully uh, hopefully we're kind of on target, but uh, yeah, I'm definitely enjoying this, and I'm certainly looking forward to more. I think we're in for some very exciting stuff on the, uh, on the fringes here with things like Inferno and the Onslaught Revelation and uh, Trial of Magneto. I think we're headed to some... I just said, how many times have I said, famine to feast and back to famine It feels like we're heading into one of those feast times Which uh, is always exciting Now Meal wraps up with So until Pyro gets a turtle named Bobby's appearances in Marauders (laughs) Be my next last Well, thank you so much for writing in Meal It was great to hear from you again I'm looking forward to more and I hope you're feeling better So uh, thanks again Uh, Next up we got Peter talking about some of the afternotes From the Excalibur number 23 episode Now, Peter says, I was curious about the Penguin delivery mess after hearing about it in this episode. And so I read that DCBS was one of the many retailers to receive many damaged books. But don't fret. With a little imagination, you might be able to turn any dented books you receive into very exclusive X-Men fold-in covers. So, yeah, that's some bad news, isn't it? Um, That's some really rotten news that uh, DCBS was among the unluckies. That got some really, really cruddy books I haven't seen any pictures of their deliveries here I don't know if they're uh, the sort of shop who would share pictures of their deliveries um, I'll have to do a little bit of research on that But uh, that could mean that the uh, next run of, uh, of X-Lapsed episodes might be a little spotty, right? Um, if they don't send me everything, well, I mean, we'll have to make some decisions at that point, right? Are we going to just skip the books that we didn't get and revisit them later? Or are we going to just stop where the issues stop and kind of collect a backlog until we fill in those holes? I mean, I'm open to either option, so I'll, maybe I'll leave that to you all if you want to let me know uh, how you want to handle this if, if say, we don't get half the books next month. And actually, I just took a few minutes to do a little bit of research here. I couldn't help myself. Um, so not only... Did DCBS get some damaged books, or a lot of damaged books? They also uh, just plain didn't get some of their books here. I found an article at CBR that has the following statement from DCBS. We are writing to let you know that the shipment of Marvel items coming from Penguin Random House has gotten lost on its way to us. It's currently being looked for, but since we have not yet received any of our Marvel items for this week, we're unable to start processing shipments. We sincerely apologize for the delay that this is causing, and appreciate your patience. Now, I'm guessing that this was probably sent out to the weekly customers at DCBS, the folks with weekly shipping. I'm not one of those people. I I get monthly shipping. So, I guess in about two weeks' time, I will know whether or not uh, we're going to be getting our books. So, uh, fingers crossed that we do. Fingers crossed that they don't come too crushed or destroyed. (laughs) I mean, boy, you know... uh, I've talked about getting packages from DCBS that have, like, literal footprints on them, and yet the books are still pristine, you know. You gotta up your packaging there, Penguin. (laughs) You really, really do. But yeah, we uh, we will see. We will see, and we will cross whatever bridges we got to when uh, when we get to them. But uh, thank you so much for writing in on that, Peter. I, I want to hear from um, more folks out there about their Penguin uh, experiences here. If you've gone to the shop and they've had a bunch of mangled books, or if you've gone to the shop and they just didn't plain have your books, I, I want to hear about it. So if that has happened to you, please, please reach out and let me know so we can cover this one here on the uh, program here as True fake-ass comics historians uh, where, Who were living fake-ass comics history Even as we speak Now that's the mailbag Let's hop over to shoutouts here Thanking the folks who uh, engaged with Or promoted the, uh, the social media stuff You know, the stuff that I promote The stuff I put out there Willy-nilly on the, uh, on the platform So over on Twitter, I want to thank Chris Bailey, The Long Box of Darkness, Dave Schultz, Walt Neeland, Billy D, Jason Colby, Chris at BTO and Bat Books, Mark Jagger, and Professor Allen. Over on Facebook, I want to thank Jeremiah, Corbin Owens, Walt Neeland, Andrew Franklin, Billy D, and Jesse D. Young. Thank you all so much for helping to spread the word and promote this little program. While I'm thanking people, I want to thank the patrons over at Patreon.com/XLapsed. Andrew Franklin, Ed Moore, Walt Nealon, Jeremiah, Jason Colby, The Scary Stuff Podcast, Jesse DeYoung, Damian, Peter McPherson, and Mark Jagger. As always, your support means the absolute world to me. Thank you all so much. But I think that's going to do it for us today. Uh, There was another letter I was considering covering today. Uh, I didn't know that this one... I mean, we're coming up on a half hour now. I thought this one was only going to go, like, 15 minutes. So, uh, I've got this letter. A fella named Brian wrote in to ask if I had any advice for starting a podcast. And, uh, you know, I I thought to myself initially, like, no, I don't know what I'm doing. But, uh, you know, then I thought a little bit deeper and figured that since I don't know what I'm doing, I probably have some advice to share. So, uh, (laughs) I was taking some notes on how to go about, uh, going through uh, any advice I might have for aspiring podcasters here. It's going to be a whole lot of do as I say, not as I do, because, uh, frankly, I, I kind of know what to do. I just don't do it. So uh, I'll, I'll gather my thoughts on that better and uh, revisit that uh, in a future episode. So I uh, look forward to that, I guess. Um, anyway, if anybody out there would like to get a hold of me for any reason at all, please feel free to do so. You can find me on Twitter at Ace Comics. You can shoot me an email over to History at gmail.com, or you can leave a voicemail at the X-Lapsed Voicemail Hotline at 623-396-JERK. For blog posts and show notes, you can head over to chrissoninfiniteearths.com. You can join us on Facebook at 90sXmen on Facebook. I was going to say 90sXmen.com. That was a site that I used to maintain for the From Claremont to Claremont show, but I uh, haven't done that in quite a long time. But uh, 90sXmen on Facebook. Uh, of course, the full audio archives are at ChrisandReggie.podbean.com. You can pop that into any of your uh, any of your podcasting applications and be able to listen to just about everything that's on it. And finally, there is of course the Patreon at Patreon.com/XLabs. A whole bunch of uh, exclusive uh, content and behind the scenes who do. So if uh, you want to support the show and get some get some, I guess, sort of kind of neat stuff out of it, uh, please consider heading over there and checking it out. But uh, that's going to do it for me today. I'd like to thank you all so much for spending a little bit of your day with me. And until next time, as always, I'll talk to you again real soon. See ya.